grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The people looked for a miracle, but all they got was a quote-unquote act of God. I'm talking about Good Friday, 1964, and the so-called Great Alaskan Earthquake, a.k.a. the Good Friday Quake, named obviously for the ominous date of its occurrence on Good Friday, March 27, 1964. Some of you perhaps recall that big one. I was only two years old at the time, living in the San Francisco Bay Area, just one of the many coastal areas along the vast Pacific Rim hit by the damaging effects of this great Alaskan earthquake. And by great, we're talking about the second largest earthquake in recorded world history. Registering a staggering 9.2 on the Richter scale, it practically doubled the seismic energy output in megatons that powered the third largest quakes, the 9.1 quakes, respectively, in Japan and Sumatra earlier this century. To give you an idea of its imposing power, the tsunami generated from southern Alaska reached top speeds of 400 miles per hour. Water levels spiked in some Pacific harbors as much as 100 feet in a day. And 2,000 miles away, right here in Southern California, there were reports of kids at the beach being swept away because of what happened that Good Friday, 1964. While many people today have forgotten about that quake, or perhaps never even learned of it, those who suffered their share of the billions of dollars in damages, or worse yet, in lost lives, they would like to forget it, but can't. They recall all too vividly that earth-shattering event and how they, at the time, looked and prayed for a miracle, some divine intervention in the wake of that Good Friday quake. Well, the earth shook at that very first Good Friday too, didn't it? We looked at that and other extraordinary events surrounding the main event of that first Good Friday 2,000 years ago. In our Lenten midweek series this year, we called these surrounding events signs and wonders of the passion. But here's the irony we find here on that first Good Friday. Even though we saw all these other wonders taking place, the midday darkness, the earthquake we mentioned, the tearing of the temple from top to bottom, the rocks splitting, dead saints coming out of their tombs, and faith being found in the previously unbelieving heart of a Gentile centurion. Despite all these signs and wonders, there on center stage, no miracle was to be found. The Son of God hung dying on that center cross 
and there was no wondrous sign displayed, no divine intervention to stop it from happening. The people gathered there even looked intently for one such sign when they said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. People were looking for it, but it did not come to Calvary's cross. It was a mixed crowd beneath the cross, and people were looking for divine intervention for a variety of reasons. Some cried out, he saved others. Why can't he save himself? Then there were those few present who sympathized, the Marys, and the one disciple, John, who stood before Jesus and endured the painful sight of their master hanging there naked and dying. It was a sight that the prophet Isaiah foretold. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness from Isaiah 52. And even as much as we today would like to recoil from the sight on Good Friday, the horror comes home to us. O child of woe, who struck the blow that killed our gracious master? It was I, thy conscience cries, I have wrought disaster. From the Good Friday hymn, O darkest woe. Sometimes it's easy to forget our part in our Lord's passion, removed by centuries and centuries of world history, and living these thousands of miles away from where these Holy Week events took place, it's too easy to distance ourselves from Jesus' suffering and death. This is why we sing that Good Friday staple. Were you there? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? We know the answer. But admitting our blame also allows us to share in the blessing. It allows us to call this Friday indeed good. That is, good for us. Good Friday won't let us forget our part. It sobers us, even frightens us. But it is good that we never forget the disaster our sins have wrought. Leading up to Good Friday, and not liking the sound of it at all, you may recall when the disciple Peter mustered the gall to actually rebuke the Lord Jesus to his face when Jesus spoke about the Son of Man's forthcoming suffering and how he will be, quote, rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again, from Mark 8. Do you remember what Jesus then told Peter at that point? After Peter rebuked Jesus, saying, Lord, may it never be, Jesus rebukes Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter, like us, would prefer to not talk about those things accompanying suffering and death. Peter doesn't go along to the cross with the other disciple, John, but instead runs away and refuses to look upon his crucified master. Peter ends up denying that he even knows Jesus. Friends, 
We're gathered here today by God's grace for the express purpose of not engaging in that kind of denial this Good Friday. Let us, therefore, acknowledge in our own hearts what our Lord Jesus said that he must do. Jesus himself even prayed the night before in Gethsemane, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass before me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. An angel of the Lord then appeared to Jesus at that moment and strengthened him for what must come to pass. That was God's answer on Thursday. But on Friday, there would be no heavenly answer to our Lord's cries on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There was no wondrous sign, no divine intervention at that appointed time. At least, at least, that's how many people saw it. Some, including Herod, were disappointed that they did not see a miracle that day. Nothing to dazzle his eyes. But for those with ears to hear, those who accepted and believed the Master's words concerning what he must do, that is, in order to seek and to save that which was lost, the eye of faith does begin to see something more than what meets the natural eye on this Good Friday. The natural eye sees only a bloody tragedy. But as we dare approach the cross, close enough to hear our Savior's words, Father, forgive them. Through ears to hear and eyes of faith, we see more than a tragedy, even more than the grave seriousness with which our holy God takes mankind's sin. Behind the punishment of his innocent son, we see a bigger picture still. At the cross, we see both the seriousness of sin and the steadfast and saving love of a God on a mission to reconcile lost humanity. We see both concerns converge on a cross. The wood between the worlds brings us together. Heaven and earth are bridged, the gap filled by the God-man, Jesus Christ, filled up with a love and mercy that are out of this world, for this world, that entered into this world, taking our place on the cross as our sin-bearer. Our sins are indeed real. Our reconciliation all the more compelling by the great lengths to which our God went to secure our reconciliation. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, writes St. Paul. Yes, God takes sin seriously, but being concerned with more than just executing righteous judgments, which he does, God executes his preordained plan of redemption his ministry of reconciliation with us lost and condemned creatures by allowing the execution of his one and only Son. It is to this end that God came down in the first place and was incarnate of the Virgin Mary as we recite in the Creed. Here we are reminded of our Christmas celebrations that foreshadow today's Good Friday observance. 
peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Christmas has as its true end Good Friday and Easter's validation of Good Friday. This is what it has all been heading toward. Through the eye of faith, the good in Good Friday comes into clear focus now. And now instead of seeing no act of divine intervention, no wondrous sign on Calvary's cross, the darkness is lifted. The scales fall from our eyes. This main event on center stage on Good Friday is, in fact, one grand divine intervention like no other. It is the divine intervention that binds all divine interventions. Revelation 13.8 refers to Jesus as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This is what Jesus said he must This was his plan to intervene on our behalf, take our punishment, and bring reconciliation to us lost sinners. Those who looked upon Golgotha in Latin, Calvary, those who looked upon it without faith said on that first Good Friday that there was no supernatural saving of life on that day, But the scriptures give us the proper interpretation and faith sees the big picture with crystal clarity. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. One God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who brings forgiveness and reconciliation to all who receive him and his saving work of pardon for them on the cross of Good Friday. Seeing Good Friday in its proper light is seeing this good as the supreme good. Jesus once said, there is no one good but God alone. And it was this Jesus, God in the flesh, in all his pure goodness, who hung alone and forsaken on that cross in order that we might never die alone, that we might never be forsaken. He gives us his goodness, his pure righteousness, even as he takes up our infirmities and bears our transgressions. This is what Peter would later look back upon, now with his own eyes of faith, and write, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. 1 Peter 3.18. Truly, this was then an act of God in the highest degree all the way through from the foundation of the earth to our observance today, looking back to that first Good Friday. We are saved from God, by God, unto God, reconciled and redeemed and received into his kingdom. The shockwaves of this divine intervention extend far beyond any aftershocks that might emanate from even the most powerful of earthquakes. For this act of God will ultimately give birth to a new heaven and a new earth that are completely free from all destructive earthquakes and all disasters of any kind, including 
death. Christ's Good Friday death is the death of death, not just for us, but for all who have yet to believe and behold with the eyes of faith. An act of God, then, most definitely. Divine intervention, for sure. Okay, but was the cross itself then also what we typically call a miracle? Mm, perhaps not, but stick around. On the third day, there's one doozy of a miracle coming your way. Amen. And now may he who is able to keep you from stumbling present you faultless before his glorious presence with great joy. Amen.